Welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. On today's episode, we interview David DeYoung, an assistant professor in the Division of Educational Leadership in the School of Education about technology in the classroom and simulation-based learning. David, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for inviting me. Now, you are a professor in the USD School of Education. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So this is my fourth year as an assistant professor in the Division of Educational Leadership, and I, I absolutely love my job here. Um, what does educational leadership mean? You, you talked about being in the division. What, what does that normally teach them? Yeah. So uh, in our division, we are focused on serving school leaders who then serve teachers and staff who then serve kids. So uh, we just consider it a great privilege to be able to, you know, get to know school leaders, get to know uh, what's happening in their schools, and then um, help them take uh, their job to the next level. And so this would involve, you know, as far as the actual degree programs themselves, things like if I wanted to become a principal or a superintendent, I I would look for a sort of a degree along this path. You are exactly right. So in our division, we have a lot of teachers who are becoming principals or becoming curriculum directors or special education directors. And we have a lot of uh, principals who are becoming superintendents. And uh, we also serve um, a lot of uh, principals and superintendents who are getting their doctorate. So one of the cool things about our program is I believe that the educational leadership graduate program is the largest largest graduate program at USD. Have you been a superintendent before? What, what was kind of your role before coming to USD? Yeah, so I've been a teacher and a coach and a principal and a superintendent. So uh, before this, I was a superintendent for eight years in um, Iowa. And what I loved about that is the progression that I talked about earlier. So when I was a teacher, I felt like I could inspire people by addition. So I I had 24 little third graders in my class, and I could inspire them. And then I thought, well, I wonder what it's like to... Um, you know, inspire the teachers. So I became a principal and then a superintendent where I could inspire teachers who inspired kids. And I thought, wow, you know, what what comes next from this? And um, I thought, wow, maybe being a professor in educational leadership where I could serve um, school leaders who serve teachers who serve kids. And and, um, I really underestimated how much of an impact I can have uh, in this role, uh, not only for the school leaders in South Dakota, but throughout the region. So uh, I'm pretty excited about this. Well, and I think this is a interesting area, kind of this teaching of teachers, right? Uh, in your experience, I mean, what makes a good teacher? Um, all of the research right now is pointing to the fact that teachers need to have relationships with students. And um, I found that true in my experience and in my research. And I've also found the same to be true about uh, professors of current and aspiring leaders. I genuinely um, love getting to know the school leaders, uh, get to know what they're passionate about, what they're working on, build a relationship with them. Because, you know, when they know how much we care about them, 
uh, they're willing to dive all in into our program and, and we can do some pretty cool things together. Well, and probably one of the avenues that you've been able to explore now as a professor here at USD um, has been kind of the technology behind education and the growth in technology. Um, you know, I came from a generation where I feel like it was controversial to learn typing instead of cursive like in grade school, right? Um, and I feel like we're so much further beyond that at this point than we were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago when you know, laptops were just starting to get introduced to a classroom. Where are we at with technology in the classroom? How vital is technology to um, curriculum development, to teachers being able to effectively reach students? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've been able to see that transition happen as well. And there are some pretty exciting things happening in, happening in technology. What I love the most about it right now is that people are really focusing on Using technology that improves learning or improves student achievement or improves access for students. And um, uh, I've been able to latch on to some pretty exciting things uh, just in my three and a half years here at USD. So the two big ones that I've um, been able to dive into is educational leadership simulations and uh, also telepresence robots. So uh, I'm pretty excited about how both of them can have an impact. You know, let's talk about the telepresence robots first. I think that's we've got one in our podcast studio right now. Maybe we'll be able to take a photo. It's I, it's hard to describe. I mean, it, it 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 seems to be able to move. I guess a little bit on its own. I mean, you tell me what is this telepresence robot? What value does it add to the classroom? So a telepresence robot is basically an iPad on a stick, like kind of a pole, and at the bottom it has wheels. So anybody uh, can control it. So I give it, it's called guided access. It's something that all iPads have. And I can give somebody else a password, and then they can drive it around from wherever they are in the whole world. So one practical example of how we've been using it is we had a school leader that was in our doctorate program that moved to the University of um, Washington. And uh, she works there now and needed to take our hybrid doctorate courses. So uh, in the morning, uh, she would log into uh, our robot. We've named the robot Sheldon. And she would log into Sheldon at the beginning of the day, and she would, uh, the iPad would show her face, and she could talk to people in real time, and she could be present in the classes that I was teaching. Uh, Probably my favorite story is I love to use Kahoot's. Um, so it's the Kahoot is um, it's a game-based platform. It's free for anybody to use, and I set the questions up beforehand, and then they race to answer the questions. And you can um, you get points based on your accuracy and their, your speed. And she was in my class with uh, 20 other principals and superintendents that were physically present in my class. And she was in Washington viewing through her telepresence robot and answering these questions on her cell phone, and she beat them. So that, that shows you how real time uh, these telepresence, are, telepresence robots are. Now, we named it Sheldon. Uh, because of uh, there's a pretty popular show with the Bing Bang Theory, and Sheldon Cooper is uh, 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 the main character of that show. 
and he drives one around. So when I tell people it's Sheldon, they're like, oh, yeah, like Sheldon drove around. So that's uh, how Sheldon got its name. You talked about one application. Obviously, the potential for distance learning is, I think, pretty incredible. I mean, what are some other applications that you've kind of been able to find um, through this technology? Oh, great question. So I helped the superintendent of Yankton. I showed him this technology, and they had a student that was homebound because of a car accident. And within a week, the student was using this telepresence robot all day to take class. And then they used it three other students. So this is already last um, spring. And now I've helped Sioux Falls Christian get one. I've helped Mitchell schools get a few. Um, Harrisburg School has demoed the robot. So uh, it's been exciting to see how this robot is providing access for students that don't have the access. So it's not meant to replace anything it's meant to enhance and give access, which I really love. Well, and I think that that's kind of an interesting point there at the end. I mean, the idea of it replacing, um, you know, human to human contact when you're in a room with somebody um, versus kind of this other notion of being able to expand access to people who, frankly, just otherwise wouldn't have the ability to take a course um, that they might need to graduate or, like you said, recover from an accident, be able to get back in the classroom um, more quickly than maybe their physical injuries would allow them. Um uh, do you ever uh, – how much of your research gets into that, that kind of divide? I mean, how much pushback do you get from, you know, teachers who go, hey, this is like one step too far. I was I was skeptical of laptops in the classroom, but I'm going to draw the line at a robot. Sure. So um, when I first got Sheldon, I took him to the muck, and I was in a different building. I was in Delzell, okay. and I drove him up to the Chick-fil-A line. <laughs> And um, I had some people kind of walk at a distance and watch people's reaction. And uh, people were taking out their cell phone and taking videos. And you get really polarizing um, first reactions. Some people are saying, oh, that's creepy. And some people say, oh, no, I don't like that at all. And then some people are like, that is awesome. Like, that's the future. So... Uh, we've been doing a research study, the, all the professors in the Division of Ed Leadership, where every time that we use this in a class, we send out a survey to the school leader who is using the robot. Uh, we're sending a survey to the professor who's teaching the course of the student using the robot. And we send a survey to all of the students that are physically present in the room and that are interacting with the robot. And uh, our preliminary results are that people get used to it uh, very quickly and um, are almost kind of proud that USD is uh, leading the way with this type of technology that provides access. So uh, I'm pretty excited about these telepresence robots. You talked about um, how some school districts are already embracing the technology. Um, I mean, project into the future 5, 10, 15 years from now. I mean, is this going to be a tool that you think every school district will eventually embrace? Well, that's a great question. I, I think that this telepresence robot is not the future, but I think it's a, it's a key to the next, what's coming next. So it's almost like a gateway technology, in my opinion, because uh, I don't predict that schools are going to have all these robots um, driving around. But 
when it once you use this in your school or on your team, what it does is it opens the door to think about things a little bit differently. And that's what I've enjoyed the most is kind of leading the way with uh, people thinking about education a little bit differently. Uh, for example, uh, we had a professor that uh, had a mother-in-law that was very ill last spring and eventually passed away. And uh, so instead of missing these meetings or just being on the cell phone, uh, this professor attended all of, the, all of our meetings with the telepresence robot. And what he described is he felt like he was more present than if we were just using uh, a laptop or just using a cell phone. You know, FaceTime and Zoom are great, but there's something about um, being more present when you can control where you look, where you move, your volume, your height um, that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, you know, I want to transition into another area of focus for you, which is kind of simulation-based um, training. And if this is kind of the cutting edge of technology, the telepresence robot, simulations kind of seem to be a, as, you know, maybe one of the oldest learning models, right, um, that we have available. Can you just first explain what is simulation-based learning? Yeah, great. So uh, I'll start with the story of how I figured out um, that this was even an option. So I was in a, at a conference in San Diego, and I had to choose a breakout session, and one of them had the word simulation in it. I was like, well, that sounds a whole, let, whole lot less boring than other options. <laughs> so I came in there, and what happened was the presenter um, just showed a video uh, for about five minutes. It gave me context, and in the context, I was the principal in this situation, and it made me feel as though I was learning about my role in this. So I answered it from being the perspective of being a principal. And then what happens is um, a teacher came into my office, and it was a video, and she shared how another teacher was being mean to her, how she was um, uh, mean to the students and kind of put them down. And then I, and then the video stopped, and I had to choose from four options on how to reply to this teacher. Well, this was very much what I dealt with um, uh, being a principal and superintendent. So it was very relevant, and you can tell that it's written by current school leaders that these simulations are. And then when I chose which how I would respond, uh, based on my choice, it goes to four different videos, right? So. Um, I, I saw a different storyline. Uh, you could do it, you know, dozens of times and, and follow a different storyline. So I really liked that. And I contacted the uh, owner of these and he said, oh, yeah, that's great that you're excited about these. Um, he's like, that'll be $6,000 a year to get access to these. <laughs> I said, oh, man, I'm just a new professor. I am, uh, this is not, I can't ask for that kind of money, but I go, I think you're onto the right thing. I wish you all the best. Well, he said, um, you know, he's like, before you hang up, he goes, maybe I can give you access if you're able to help normalize the conversation in the Midwest about these simulations. So I thought that that sounded pretty good. And, um, uh, just in three years since that conversation, I've presented these simulations over 50 times to over over 1,000 aspiring and current leaders, and 
I am only more and more excited about them. And probably the number one thing that I'm excited about is that it it's a tool that gets leaders to think about why they make the decisions that they make. And a lot of times that boils down to like their previous experiences or their value system and, or their beliefs. And what's great about facilitating these is I can have two very like-minded school leaders sitting right next to each other that would choose different options and they just cannot believe that somebody else would choose a different option. They just can't believe it. It blows them away. And so then I, I, I take the time to get those two people talking about why they make the decisions that they make. And that's, that's, uh, that's why I believe they're the best tool out there right now um, for aspiring and current leaders. I, that's really interesting concept to me. I mean, especially focusing on, you know, forcing someone to maybe stop before they make a decision and analyze, like, why they're about to make a decision that might be kind of the crucial link, you know, in how the scenario plays out, but it becomes second nature to them. It's something that they don't even question at the beginning. I, I don't know if you can maybe take us through a, a simulation. Um, you know, you talked about a, a, a kind of dispute amongst teachers. Um I think I read some of this in your previous research. Let's say one of the options is, uh, you know, to tell that teacher, "Hey, I think you need to sort this out with your fellow teacher." Um, like, what what occurs after that? What happens in a simulation? Okay, so let me uh, go back to the simulation that I was just talking about, where a teacher comes and sits across from you and shares that another teacher is mean. A lot of the participants then the simulation. They want to hear this teacher out and they want to say, well, is there more? I'm so glad that you shared this with me. Is there more? And then that option leads to um, a meeting that you're at with the fifth and sixth grade um, teaching staff collaborative meeting that this teacher is leading. And the mean teacher just goes off the deep end. And uh, to the point where a lot of the participants are... Like um, they would say, I would stop the meeting and I would, you know, talk directly to this mean teacher and address it. And uh, if you don't intervene as the leader, the simulation ends in that teacher resigning. So that happens about a third of the time, which is crazy. So then we talk about our words as leaders and our actions matter. They matter so much. And we, we can talk about um, then the experiences that people have had with that. Um, just it opens the floodgates to get people talking about that. Now, here's an interesting twist to that scenario. I was talking to the, the, the owner of these simulations, and I said, this one's my favorite, that when these teachers don't get along. And he goes, oh, that's interesting. He said, we um, sold these simulations to a school in Saudi Arabia, and they said that they couldn't use the simulation because it had female actresses. And they said we can only have male actors. So they reshot the same simulation with the same script with only male actors. 
And I said, I go, can I have access to that? And they said, yeah, so I have access to that. I think I'm the only one in the world besides this school in Saudi Arabia that has access to this. And we started, I started talking with my awesome ed leadership team, and we're doing a full-blown three-year research project on this simulation. Because what happens is, okay, so if I get 30 superintendents um, that I can speak to, we'll, we'll randomize them one, two, one, two, one, two. Half of them go out and they of the room to a different room with a professor on my team and experience the male um, actors only. And then I'll do the one with the female actresses and male actress, actors. And then we go through the simulation for about 40 minutes, and then we bring them back together and then I show them clips of the simulation that they didn't see. And then I say, all right, let's talk about this. If a male teacher comes and brings you concerns about another bully teacher, do you treat that, pers- that male differently than if a female came and told, talked to you about a bully teacher? And you should see the the room just lights up with fireworks. So we've been getting, we got IRB approval and we have all this research that we're writing up right now. Man, that's super interesting. I mean, I just can't imagine as a new principal, you know what I mean, who has to walk into the doors of a school. It's their first time on the job. I mean, they're transitioning from probably being a teacher themselves and they have to take on obviously new leadership responsibilities. The ability to get to kind of troubleshoot, for lack of a better word, some of these scenarios seems like totally invaluable. I mean, how many – you talked about it being obviously a proprietary software. Um, I mean, does some of this get incorporated into the curriculum here at USD? Like if I if I take this, do I get to do some simulation-based training? That's a great question. So we have a class right now that I'm teaching in the spring. It's the superintendent capstone course. And each uh, week – they experience a different simulation on their own. And then our discussion board, so it's a fully online course, and our discussion boards, they come together and they talk about uh, their experience with that specific simulation. And it's surprising to me to read how many times school leaders out there are saying, I took this simulation, I repeated it seven or eight times to take different paths to see what would happen if I said this or if I did this. And I think that there's just as much learning on some of the bad, crazy responses than there are on trying to figure out what the simulation wants you to do. Um, Because there's really no right or there's no right response that you know, like, oh, you have a ch- you did right. this perfectly. That's not what it's about. It's about reflecting as a leader on why we make the decisions that we make. So the answer is yes. So what I did is I made a deal with the guy who owns this. I said, all right, textbooks maybe will cost $50. So I go, so if each one of these school leaders um, pays you $50 instead of the 6000 can they get access to these Sims for four months? And he loves it because I'm trying something new and getting, you know, normalizing the conversation about simulations. My students say, you know, some of them, they all love it, to be honest. It's one of the favorite things that I do here at USD. So I'm excited to begin that course in less than a month. 
Um, you know, to transition and kind of conclude our conversation here, I mean, we've talked about technology in the classroom, obviously new learning models um, to teach teachers how to be more effectively and, and educational leaders kind of all up and down, um, you know, where they might land in a school. Project to me the next 5, 10, 15 years of teaching. I mean, it's so hard to anticipate how, how education is going to change. But how has education changed? I mean, what is different about, you know, the education my kids might receive than what I received 10 or 15 years ago? And, and how is that going to continue to evolve? That's a great question. I think if I, if I knew the answer to that, uh, <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. But, I mean, my, my hope, one of my hopes for the future is that <clears throat> through technology, I'm hoping that my children will be able to learn in a, a global way on real-world problems so that my... I have three little boys at home, and my boys are working on a project with somebody from Germany, Australia, and Nigeria on a real-world problem so they can learn how to work with people um, from different cultures, different lenses, and they can actually solve the problems that are facing us. And I, I think that – I hope that that's part of the future of education – and it makes me excited to know where we're at now and where we could go and just being a part of that bridge. Um, I think that right now, this is the best time to be in education. It's the best time in the history of the world because we know so much now about what works and what doesn't work that um, we, it's just a great time, an exciting time to be in education right now. You know, the last question we generally like to ask is a little bit philosophical in nature. Um, and I think, you, like I said, you kind of are on this precipice of, of getting to influence people who then go out and influence, I mean, literally hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people, um, you know, throughout the course of a career, like the impact that a teacher, you know, individually can make with 22 students for 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. What at this point in your life do you know for sure? What do I know for sure? I know that one of my whys in education is I always need – I know that I need to be in a spot where I can build individual relationships with people so that way they can go out and make a difference. So I know what my why is, and I'm pretty excited that, you know, being a professor in the uh, – Division of Educational Leadership allows me to do that. David, thank you so much. Thank you for all the work here that you do here at USD. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for listening to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. Listening is 100% of the grades. We hope you enjoyed the episode.